So, Mr. Boshoff, uh, welcome and thank you for doing this. Uh, you've, I think you've been volunteered for this. You didn't really know about it, did you? Um, yeah, I was essentially volunteered, oh. but it's a pleasure to be here. Ah. Nonetheless. <laughs> Excellent. It's what ladies do best. They volunteer men for things and then men find out at the moment it's due. Yeah, so, I generally find out 15 minutes before it's due. Ah, okay. Right, well, let's get cracking with this then. So, um, a little short history about yourself in regards to some of the things you've done. Now, I know a little bit about your back history, but uh, what I found fascinating is the fact that you've gone from, I believe, it was a sales background, and you just decided to just change it and then head into something completely different, a, a, a new growing industry. You succeeded in that and then decided to take up racing you've succeeded in that and then you decided to write a book and have succeeded in that so uh, I think you've got something going for you there obviously that uh, uh, yeah I, I'd love to know what it is and uh, how you've gone about that it's a it's a special a special tonic that comes in a small bottle oh right I can sell you some if you wish does it come with taxes course oh <laughs> <laughs> right so, uh, yes so so do you are you where do you want me to start um well you were you were in the world of sales and then i remember your wife saying that you just one day just well you probably just didn't decide it but you sort of more or less uh i don't know how you would phrase it just change direction uh, burnt out yeah Probably a good way to, to say it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had this running joke with a, a friend of mine. We were in sales together. And I I mean, I never finished high school. So sales was the only way I could make a living. Okay. You know, above and above my station, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I did well. I did well. I had a buddy that um, we worked together a couple different companies and we were quite competitive and we had this running joke over the years that I used to say to him one day we were sitting and we were sitting around just shooting the breeze and drinking beer and uh, in a moment of deep philosophical one of those deep philosophical moments yeah I looked at it and I said um, you know what I said have you ever had uh, have you ever had this nightmare that one day you just wake up and you can no longer pick up the phone because we were a phone. We, like, yeah, we were a phone salesman. We did all our sales over the phone. And he was like, "What?" And I'm like, "What would, what would we do? Like, what if, like, one day, you know, this is all we know, and then one day we just wake up and just I can't do it anymore. I can't dial the phone any longer. Yeah. And so it's this run joke that we had of this this you know, dystopian, dark future yeah. that might someday be. And it was just a joke. And uh, after about 10 years of pounding the phone all day, every day, um, it happened. So I woke up one day and I went up to, you know, we had moved to Colorado and we were living in this beautiful, you know, out in the, in the mountains and it was yeah. gorgeous. And I was, had the flexibility of being able to work from home. Um, but you know, I got up and I had breakfast and I went into, at that time I had the phone, my little desk set up in the bedroom with my phone and computer on it. Yeah. And I sat and I literally sat and stared at the phone for about three hours. <laughs> and I didn't pick it up. Wow. <laughs> I, was just, I was like, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Wow. And I came out and I didn't tell my wife. Uh, <laughs> And uh, every day I'd go into my room and I would just, I would just look at the phone and then I'd go on, you know, it was the early days of the internet. So there was yeah. very little to, to do on the internet, but I would go on the internet and browse around and do things. And at the end of the day, come out for supper and wow. been working all day. So this is more like a low gradient of falling down. And instead of you going on the <laughs> rampage, you were sort of, you're just staying quietly in a room. Yeah, <laughs> just wanted <laughs> what to do with my life. <laughs> Did you have a packed lunch in there? No. 
Yeah. I'd come out for lunch and go back and, yeah. you know. Wow. Um, what do you think I mean, that was, was? Was that like a, when you say you can't do it, is it, was it a case of you said, I can't or won't? I just, I couldn't summon the energy any longer because, right. um, I mean, I understand it now, but back then I didn't, Okay. you know, eventually what happened is I just, I won the game. Like to me, it was no longer a game. It was no longer fun. Like ah. I was very good at what I did. Yeah. And the combination of kind of winning the game where there's no more excitement left. And also the fact that I was very off. Um, off of my my basic purpose line, you know, I was selling a product that I didn't. It was just a product. The purpose for what I was doing was to make money. Yeah. Period. Okay. I didn't believe in the product. I didn't have any particular passion for what right. I was selling. And for whatever reason, maybe it was because we had just moved to Colorado. And, you know, when you're, I had all this space and these mountains and this aesthetics and you know, kind of just. I think that can change you a little bit that having that much open space around you kind of brings you back to. Yeah. Did to you go from like a, a very close space to a suddenly big space? Yeah. We moved from a city, from yeah. a regular, you know, moderate sized city living in a, you know, a house with neighbors right up against you and, you know, the yeah. usual commuting to and from an office and stuff. And then we moved out to the country essentially. You know, we moved to a, a house. We got a house on, uh, it was on like three acres of land, which wow. in the U.S. is quite a lot of a lot of space for a house. Yeah, that's that's uh, a U.K. town, that is. Yeah, and we had, you know, we only had our next neighbor was, you know, you couldn't see your neighbors. Wow. And up on a, a mesa that overlooked these gorgeous mountain ranges. And um, Anyway, so yeah, I, th I attributed to just, I just couldn't, you know, I kind of, I kind of put that into my, my own future, you know, yeah, years okay. before I'd almost purposely, you know, yeah. and having that joke with my buddy, I'd almost purposely preordained that at some point I would have a, a reason to stop wow. doing that. Cool. Uh, what age were you roughly when that happened? Uh, I was, uh, 29. Okay. Yeah, so I've been in sales, you know, since since the age of eighteen. I started, you know, right. Uh, just fell into sales because it was the only job I could get, and found I was good at it. Yeah. And you know, I went from there selling every widget, you know, selling whatever. Okay. Makeup, advertising, and this or that, or whatever you can imagine. Cool. So what happened really, next then? Well, it was really funny because um, after about two weeks, um, two or three weeks of, of, actually, maybe it was longer. <laughs> I don't remember how long, <laughs> I don't how long. Um, but all I do remember is that it, it, uh, we were running out of money. Yeah. I'd been, you know, I'd been paying the bills with our savings that we'd sold our house in Florida before we moved. So we had a small nest egg, um, not much, but just a little. Yeah. And I was paying the bills with that and that was running out. Right. I started stressing out about money. So my wife being, um, she's very perceptive. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yes. So one night she says, well, let's, um, let's go into town and let's, you know, let's go just have some dinner and, and chat. Yeah. So we go into town and my parents stay with the kids and we, we drive into town, which is about a 15 minute drive. <clears throat> and we go to Denny's, which. Oh, yes. UK people may not. We don't have it here. No, but I've walked past many in Florida. Yes. Yeah. So classic, you know, diner. So we go to Denny's and at that time you could smoke smokers back then. Wow. You could smoke in restaurants. So we got a big, you know, eggs and pancakes. And and we got a big carafe of coffee and we were sitting there, we ate and then we were sitting there smoking and drinking coffee and chatting. And I finally, uh, finally coughed it up to her that I, that she's like, I, I can't do this. I'm not, can't do it. I'm right. done. And she was like, wow. Okay. 
thanks for telling me. And uh, so she said, well, and my wife's amazing. Like yeah. one, of the, one of her iron qualities is that she, to her, what's most important is um, following your passion, following your purpose. And she, she's really good at bringing that out in other people and helping them discover what they really should be doing. <clears throat> and she, she didn't get mad. She didn't get angry about it. She was like, okay, cool. Understood. She said, so what are you, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I, I don't know, I, but I, I think I want to do something with the internet. <laughs> and uh, she said, okay, well, tell me about it. And I was like, well, this is the idea I have. I kind of think I want to do, you know, maybe start building these websites or blah, 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 which, you know, back then people didn't really even know what a website was. Yeah. Um, and she looked at me and she said, good. So start. It <laughs> was like, good, start. Yeah. Do it, handle it. And, uh, I did. And about two weeks, two weeks later, three weeks later, I had a full-time income. Wow. New business, full-time business. I, uh, it was quite amazing. Just, you know, it's, it's really amazing when you have that, when you have a person in your life who is someone that just goes, good, yeah. figure it out. And she helped me figure out and dial it in over the next few days mm -hmm. of exactly what I wanted to do. And I dialed it in and she just encouraged me and pushed me along. And, uh, you know, I had a good idea. I called the owner of a company that I had worked for who had a whole bunch of, um, it was a company that sold like not franchises, but similar where they had yeah. a lot of these, um, small businesses underneath them. Mm -hmm. I called her up and they had a convention coming up and I said, Hey, I have something I want to, I'd like to offer websites to all of your business owners. And cool. I explained, she's like, well, I don't know what's a website. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's like a flyer, but on the internet. Yeah. Well, what's the internet? Well, <laughs> that's the thing out yeah. there. I mean, it's, yeah, this is like early days, right? Yeah. And I like closed her on it and she said, great. Um, that sounds good. Yeah, totally. You can have a speaking slot at the convention. Mm -hmm. And I was like, great. I was like, okay, cool. Um, so the only detail we need to work out is how you're gonna uh, how you're gonna pay for my flight and my accommodations while I'm there. <laughs> yeah. So I talked her into basically to flying me down. The owner of this company had uh. basically expense. I don't know how I talked her into that honestly, but she flew me down, put me up in a hotel, and uh, I signed up. I think about fifty signed up 50% of the, the people that were at the convention. Wow. For a website. But you're a sales guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. I'd never done, I'd never done, I'd always done it on the phone. I'd never done face to face. Uh -huh. It was the first time I ever stood in front, it was the first time I'd ever spoken on a stage. Yeah. In front of people. I was terrified, but I was like, uh, I mean, that's what it's going to take, so. Survival, yeah. Yeah, and it was amazing. So I came home, boom, and we had a business. And, like we had a full-time business, like, and that was it. And that was okay. the next 20 years. Wow. So you say the next 20 years, obviously uh, things grew, grew, and grew. Um, where did the next, because I noticed uh, when I was speaking with your wife, the next change came in or further on in that line, we were talking about goals or ambitions, and then there was something you'd been sitting on for a very long time regards to a goal or an ambition you wanted to do uh yeah i mean when i was a kid um i wanted to be a race car driver that was kind of where i saw myself going what um, kind of race car driver because by the way over in the uk we've got so many different things like from f1 rallying on track um when i were well i was more my main interest was was off-road okay but, my thing was rally 
Um, I tried to answer the, in South Africa, we had a, a camel who used to do these annual, the Okavango Swamp rallies. Oh, oh. These, uh, the Okavango Swamps. Okay. The, uh, it's this area of swampland in Africa, these, these famous swamps. So it's called the Okavango Swamps. Got yeah. Okay. And uh, Camel, the cigarette company. Ah, that, that's where I was getting confused. I thought you were actually using camels then for the no, swamps. No, the, right, okay, got you. Camel company used to do those, you know, remember the camel land yeah, rovers? Indeed, yes. There's, there's rallies all over the world with those. So they used to do them every year and they would have the annual um, camel rally in South Africa through the Okavango swamps. Got you. And I tried to enter. I, <laughs> I tried to enter um, that a few times when I was younger, but. I'd, I'd always send in the entry and I'd get the thing back and then you'd have to fill up the registration and then you'd get to the point where you'd have to prove your age and because you were supposed to be over 18. Oh. And I would get to that point and be like, damn it, uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in about 2000, I think it was about 2010, we were doing a goals um, one year. What we do is we have a, a routine um my wife and i every year when we do out at the end of the year we go away mm -hmm. for a few days we either just it doesn't matter where we'll just pick somewhere okay um, we'll fly to new york or we'll drive over to st augustine or wherever or sometimes we'll just stay home and lock ourselves in the house for three days and turn off our phones and we do our goals nice. where we actually sit down and review last year's goals and kind of take stock of what we've accomplished, what we haven't accomplished. And Is this something you do every year? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's something we've done for a long time. That's just a standard. I mean, it's a successful action for us. Making a mental note. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's like a little mini vacation. We go, go out to eat around whatever we go back to the hotel and we pull out the notebook and we just sit down and we you know as a couple or do you just like individually in your own rooms no as a couple okay right okay. We, we do it together and we go through our goals and our purposes and what's important to us and what we want to accomplish for that year and we write them down okay um and so one year we were doing this and Generally, it's my wife that does most of the, the writing. Yeah. So she was doing the thing, and then she looked at me, and she's like, well, so what do you want to accomplish this year? And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good with what we got down there. Yeah. Um, but she spotted that there was something, like something that had flashed across my features that she had <laughs> spotted. Yeah. And uh, she was like, well, well what's that? What are you thinking about? And I was like, oh, no, no, it's, it's nothing. And she said, well, no, it's not nothing. Yeah, because yeah, I just picked up on the phrase there, because when you say it's nothing, you've already identified there is something. <laughs> I just realized right. that in the, in the wording myself there, because I've said that, oh, it's nothing. Oh, you've already pointed out that it yeah. exists. Yes. Yeah. So she said, well, what is it? And I said, it's, uh, it's really, it's nothing. It's stupid. And she's like, well, it's not stupid to me. Um, tell me, like, what is it? And I really didn't want to tell her because you have to understand my, a lot of, my wife's always, always been very active um, in the community and she volunteers. She does a lot of, our whole married life, she's always been extremely active in terms of volunteering yeah. and helping and doing humanitarian type work. Um, and so a lot of our goals, when we're doing our goals, a lot of them are oriented towards how to make the world better, how we can do a little bit more in this area or this sector or this, you know, yeah. different areas where we can improve the world in general to at least, you know, in some way. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking at this very self-absorbed goal of mine <laughs> she had been writing down and i was like yeah it's not important you know making myself happy in some of this 
random way is not is not yeah. important. And but long story short, she pulled it out of me and she wanted to know. And she said, well, tell me what it is. There's something on your mind. I want to know what it is. And I said, well, I, I really would, I'd like to be a race car driver. <laughs> but she was like, huh. And then she actually, when she thought about it, she, she remembered. Like she's like, oh, I remember when we first got married, you had, that was something that you wanted to do and you talked about it a lot. And then obviously, you know, we got married when we were 18, we had kids, we had four kids, three kids by the time we were 21, yeah. you know, a lot happens and there's no room for silly dreaming. You, you mentioned an interesting point because I always have this dilemma myself. There's things I want to do personally, like a particular car I want to own and things like that. But there's also, as you say, like humanitarian sides and things like that. The whole balancing of that, what makes mm. it um, a just or right pursuit? Um, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, um, it has to, if it if it enhances your life, yeah, then I feel like it is a just and right pursuit because it not only enhances that one part of your life, it enhances that that exhilaration, that you know, being high emotionally, being on a an emotionally higher plane, yeah, than one might otherwise be. That has ramifications that that ripple out to not only the people closest to you and your family, but to people that you meet, people you run into, you know, if you're doing well yeah. personally and are um, following and living your life deliberately and doing things that you're passionate about or that bring you joy, um, I think you're a, it makes you a better further a better husband a better friend a better driver yeah. you know a better citizen okay. you know it's, yeah. it's, there's an example that the story that my wife tells um when we were we were driving to the hospital she was in labor with with our daughter amber um and she went into labor and the hospital was in a, in the next city, not the hospital. It was a Berlin center that we were scheduled to go to and it was in the next city over. So about a, a 15 or 20 minute drive. So I was hauling ass down the, the highway, mm -hmm. get her there. And she's in the passenger seat having contractions. And this guy, um, Oh, I was, I was, I was, entering the freeway. So I came on, I, I came on the on-ramp and I came from the on-ramp onto the, the freeway. Yeah. And I inadvertently, you know, cut this guy, this guy off who was in the lane because I was frantically, you know, driving like a maniac. Yeah. So he got really upset and he, you know, honked his horn and got upset. And then I kept driving and he accelerated and he came around us and he pulled right in front of us and he slammed on his brakes Ooh. and i obviously i slammed on my brakes I, and i almost hit him and he obviously you know it was this road rage right yeah and then he continued and he let me pull up next to him and i rolled down the window and i and he was just red and angry and upset and so was i and i I leaned over and I screamed at him and I said, my wife's in labor. And I said, what is wrong with you? And, and the minute he heard and realized that my wife was in labor, you just, you could just see the shock and the, the abject, the embarrassment on his face, mm. right? He, he changed. He went from being angry to, to being ashamed at his behavior wow. and it was it was interesting because my wife the way she operates in life and the way i try to emulate her is that um 
she always she's always looking ahead to well you know that guy that guy who cuts you off in traffic instead of screaming at him or going you know what an asshole blah 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 you know maybe hmm. maybe just got a phone call maybe his kids in the hospital maybe you know you don't know no. right you know what's happening in someone else's life <clears throat> um my point of all that is that I think when it's contagious, you know, yeah. those, those emotions, good or bad, are contagious. And the one's, one's stability and one, the way one operates and acts in life, it does ripple out to everyone that you come in contact with. Got you. you know, okay. When you go to the airline counter and smile at the person behind the counter and ask them how their day's going versus stomping up to them and going god damn it why is the flight delayed how dare you you know yeah it doesn't work well not only that but if you rip their face off then what's what's going to happen to the next person that steps up to the counter yeah that that clerk is now going to be in a shitty mood and they're going to then relay that onto the next person next person. It's, it's just you know it's an interesting thing so yeah. i guess my, my whole point of that is is that i believe that that that's how you evaluate you know things okay whether the bliss or if something truly brings you joy like i i got so much joy out of racing i mean yeah it was just for me it was it was a lifelong goal so how Something much was your wife involved in getting you from you announcing that goal or ambition? Um, was it you on your own or was it suddenly your wife was pushing you to go for that goal? What sort of ratio would that well, be? She, she's, she said, what do we need to do? Let's figure it out. And you know, I researched it and I figured it out and she was there with me all the way and yeah. encouraging me to do it. Do you think many men start. have a problem in regards to like, I, I've seen it over here where men have an ambition or a desire to do something, but they don't include their family. It becomes them in their shed and thus they become isolated and doesn't really get anywhere. Yeah, I think that's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, if you married someone, ostensibly you like them. Yeah. And would want to spend time with them. Mm. So, I mean, for me, you know, she's my best friend. I, I married her because I love being around her yeah so why would i want to do something without her oh yeah yeah i mean maybe we're weird we're anomalies i don't know but we're almost never apart <laughs> wow. i mean we do pretty much everything together and it's funny because when we're when we were building our business and we actually we bought we bought a building and we renovated it when we were building a web design company and uh, we built our personal office out big enough to have two full desks so that we had a, a big office for the two of us. And yeah. people would come in, yeah, people would come in and they would look at it and they'd go, wait, you guys, you work? <laughs> in office? And you, I can't tell you how many people have, how many people, almost everyone that came in would look and go, wow, I could never work with my blah all day wow. long yeah i'm like well why the fuck did you marry them then <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get it <laughs> no no you're right yeah it is a, a strange thing uh, but then again in most of my life i'm, I'm quite familiar with it uh, that's the operating basis isn't it that you don't do those things together that you do stay separate but then you look on the overall statistic of it, well, it doesn't seem to work out too well, that philosophy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you why you would. I mean, you can have shared, like obviously uh, she, you know, she doesn't share the racing goal. She didn't want to be a race car driver. Huh. But, you know, we used to have fun. We'd go, we'd make a weekend of it. We'd go to the track, you know, we'd get a hotel, we'd be out. Um, she would get into it. I'd even talk her into like helping, you know, clean the windshields. And, okay. <laughs> and I never, never got that far. Okay. But 
you know, yeah. she would do the help oil change. My, my <laughs> headphones. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> she, she was there and part of, you know, part of the motion. I mean, sometimes if she had a prior engagement, she would skip a weekend, but generally 80, 90% of the time we would, okay. we'd, we'd be together. What trade-off would there be in regards to what did you have to do to help her in any of her interests or what were you involved in? Um, well, her, I mean, most of our interests are, are shared. Oh, okay. Um, we, we kind of, now that you mention it, um, God, I can't really think of much of anything that we do, at least in the last decade. Um, prior to that, you know, she was, for a while, she worked, you know, she did a lot of volunteer work in Tampa. So she was working, um, we were separate for a couple of years mm-hmm. in terms of during the day. Yes. Yeah. Other than that, we were always together at the office when we were building the business. Um, so were you, doing think... the, were you doing the racing whilst you were building up your business? Yeah, I mean, we got we got the business to a point where it was um, it was kind of just running on automatic. Okay. Um, I mean, not entirely, but 90 percent. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a we had the staff in place, and it was it wasn't making a killing, but it was it was making enough money to pay the bills. And for me, at that time, it was more important to me to have my time yeah. and more money. You know, I could have stayed in there and kept kept pounding it and grinding it out. But you know, my I'm not massively money motivated. Like I got to a point where I was like, you know, we're making a good income. We're living a a very comfortable. We weren't wealthy, but we're very comfortable. We had everything we needed, and we had a little extra to play with. Um. And to me, it was more important to, I would rather have uh, 30, 40 hours a week of my time available than an extra hundred grand a year or whatever. I I didn't want, I'm not really, you know, and when I was younger, maybe like I had the pictures of the Ferraris on my wall when I was growing up and stuff like that. And Mm. it was very motivated quote unquote, you know, like ambitious to, but to make money. But from <clears> that but, poster, you've, you've got to, uh, what many an Englishman would like is the old Audi Quattro. Is that what you used in a, in your racing? Um, yes and no. I never actually raced the Quattro. I bought ah. my very first, my very first race car it was a 91, um, Audi Quattro, the European RS2. Oh, okay. Yeah. The five cylinder, the straight five, just a gorgeous. It was an ex World Rally Championship car. Iconic yeah, over here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, iconic here. Oh, it yeah. was just a beautiful, like dream car, and yeah. uh, and it had a pedigree. I mean, it had a pedigree, World Rally Championship pedigree. <clears throat> and uh, I picked it up on eBay, and I was so stoked. Um, <laughs> But I never got to race it. I drove it through the uh, the Ocala National Forest a couple times. Yeah. And I took it up to Gainesville and did what we call a rally cross, which is at a private um, a private rally school. Yeah. I got to drive it a little bit through the forest on their rally course, but I never actually got to race it because the uh, the Sports Car Club of America that same year that I bought the car canceled their rally program. So that killed, that Question. Killed that. I've always had this curiosity, rallying, right? It's a great and fascinating sport to watch, but there's no overtaking. It's all time trial thing. Why is there not a combination of track racing and rally car racing, but like with a wider track so they can actually overtake as well? Um, there is now. Oh, okay. I mean, in the US anyway, there's this new thing that they've called... Um, I think it's called Rally X <clears throat> that they've they've been running for like the last eight years or so, and it's done in the stadium. Right. Um, it's, 
it's not quite that. It's two cars on track at the same time. Um, I forget how it goes. But yeah, there is there is okay. a version where okay. they do have two cars on, but it's they're much shorter tracks. And they're very controlled. Right. So yeah, ah. <clears throat> you know, a full stage rally, which is the whole day or two days. Yeah. So what what sort of a winning ratio did you have? Did you end up winning? Uh, rosettes? Do they have them over in America? Where they big win the big reef and all that stuff? Is it a reef or a log? Um, we have. We generally get. Um, well, rally. I don't know because I never raced rally. I sold the car and bought a, a track. Okay. A track car. <clears throat> um, what we get is little um, paperweights. Little <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the trophies are basically they look like paperweights with these little square um, pieces of like marble. Or granites with oh. a little plaque okay. mounted on it, about the size of your iPhone, maybe a little bigger and three times as thick. Right. <clears throat> so you get these little, you know, first, second, third place. Um, but I have some bigger ones. They get they come in various. Depends on depends on the yeah. the um, event whether yeah. it's a, just a local race or a regional race or a national race. Um, <clears> so, so the bigger the race, so like the nationals, you get big pieces of granite then. <clears throat> yeah. You could build a kitchen yeah, yeah. if you, you became get... like a champion. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, there are, there are certain, <clears throat> it's different. The type of racing that I did was um, uh, SCCA which is called club racing here. It's basically amateur racing. Okay. Uh, but in the U.S. you have all, you have a whole lot of different stuff. You have like dirt track, like yeah. oval track and dirt track. And there's, you know, all the redneck racing. Yeah. That sounds yeah. exciting, that sort of stuff to me. <laughs> that stuff, you yeah, know, that's a whole different, because it's not amateur, um, yeah. there's actually money, there's prize money involved. And it can get, it can get ugly. It's, it's, it's that good. It's a very good. It's a different environment because my my actually my teammate that we raced together, um, who was originally my crew chief, and then we bought him a car and we had matching cars, and he became my the second driver on my team, and then we ended up with three cars actually, um, three identical cars that were all wrapped the same. Wow. <clears throat> um, he came from that world, yeah. and he was. He was very surprised the first time he came to an event. He came. I asked him to come to Daytona with me to help um, pit for me, to crew for me, because he was a mechanic. <clears throat> and he came out, and after the after the Saturday race day, they would they have a social where everyone gets together and there's lots of beer and blah blah blah. <clears throat> and he was he was gobsmacked at the difference in the people. Um, they were just friendly and open and willing to talk about their, you know, and give advice to each other. And, mm. and it was a friendly environment versus what he was used to was very doggy dog um, in the dirt track world. Yeah. You wouldn't go and just hang out with your competitors. Okay. And I think that's because, you know, with amateur racing, there's no money on the line. And as soon as you add the money elements, now you add. Yeah, just a whole different yeah. element that that changes things. It changes the harmonic, changes the dynamic of it. <clears throat> so when you conquered that sort of domain, as it were, did that feeling of I can't go on anymore actually manifest itself? Or were you happy to carry on? Or was it just a case of something else came into your life that took your interest? On the, on with racing? Yeah. Um, no, I never burned out on that. I would... <clears throat> I would, I still, I mean, I still have my car. I haven't raced for a couple of seasons because um, my interests have moved on to, to border areas. Uh -huh. um, the last few years we've been, we've been very focused on um, humanitarian endeavors. Cool. So my wife and I have done a lot of traveling all over the world to, to help with uh -huh. fundraising for churches and um human rights campaigns and you know that type of thing <clears throat> and 
we're very we're both very passionate about that because we Fantastic. both feel that, yeah i mean we just feel like the world needs as much help as possible and yeah you know, each of us to if we're in a position to be able to put our shoulder to the wheel and make a bit of a difference and it's unbelievably rewarding um so we've been doing that um so my car has been sitting in the shop for the last uh, couple of years oh. but my heart is, i am in a heartbeat Did you take it out shopping <laughs> what do you ever take it out shopping or just like let's go out in the car just go out for a little yeah um the car my race car yeah no no it's not street legal you can't and <laughs> oh, I did that once in the Audi and I almost went to jail. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Oh, but cars like that, they've got, to be, they've got to have a bit of, they've got to go on the tarmac, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my car, when she's out there, like, you know, when she's at Daytona or Subaring, yeah. she gets her legs stretched just yeah. fine. It's weird how a car, you have to have all these standards for racing to make the car really safe and then you're not allowed on the road. Which you thought, well, that car's really safe. That car should be on the road. That's actually a really good point. I think the uh, the reason it's not street legal is not because it's not safe. It's because it doesn't have um, headlights or or indicators. People that's, use indicators. <laughs> People use indicators. I thought they were going out of fashion. <laughs> wow. Okay. No, that's that's the reason. It's because one of my some of my previous cars, like yeah. my, actually my poly car, the Audi, actually had a license plate on it, and it was yeah. fully street legal. Yeah, I think that's probably their rule, wasn't it? They had to be a, it had to be a production car to be entered in the race anyway, and that had to be X amount of cars manufactured. Well, for a rally car, yeah, they still they do have to be street legal because you have to when you're going for, when you're traversing yes. from states, you have to go in public. public uh, Oddly enough. Road. Where my mum lives, where they do the rallying, most of the accidents actually happen between stages. It's not oh, really yeah. a rally car hitting a spectator's car or vice versa. So, uh, yes, uh, that's the dangerous that's part of the race is between stages. Yeah, well, that's why they cancelled the rally program here originally in 2005 was because of spectator deaths. So. <laughs> that's just disappointing. And weirdly enough, I have no empathy for the death of those spectators. I just feel disappointment for the cancellation of the event. Um, yeah. You know you know what you're getting into. It's like if you go to a heavy metal concert, you expect urine, you expect a bit of moshing. <laughs> so it's the same if you go to a rally event. I would expect an accident. And I think some people sadistically go there looking for an accident anyway. So. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. They love a good role. So you, you got that, and then... I believe was there another goals uh, meeting whereby you came up with your next thing, or was it just uh, a thing in regards to the subject of writing? How did that occur? Oh, the writing, yeah, um, that occurred. Well, my wife was the writer, actually. Okay. And, um, she wrote a book, and um, I encouraged her, and you know, was really excited for her when she when she finished it, and I sat and read. You know, wait. Uh, she used to go to this coffee shop down the road to write, um, and then she'd come home, and I'd wait ex expectantly for her to get home so I could read her ah. next chapter or whatever she'd written. Um, and then uh, one day, I was—I had a thought. We we're about to go to bed. She was brushing her teeth, and I said, "You know what? I have an—I have a." I have a really good idea for a story. And she's like, oh, well, I, don't have, <laughs> I have a shortage of ideas. So, you know, any, any writer that you talk to will know yeah. <laughs> full of ideas, right? And like, <clears throat> they're not, they're not starving for ideas, but no. people, if you talk to Roger or someone, I guarantee you he has people yeah. all day long up to him and go, oh, I have a great idea for a story. Like it, as if writer doesn't have any idea. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you a couple of dollars for that one. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Global shortage of story ideas. <laughs> um, so I said, "So I have this great idea. I have this idea for a story." And I told her, and she's like, "That sounds awesome." And I said, "Yeah, you should write it." 
<laughs> I've got plenty of content. I have plenty of ideas. I don't need another idea. She said, you should write it. And I looked at her there. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not a, I'm not a writer. Well, that's not true. I'm not. I wasn't not a writer. I didn't. I didn't have any doubt that I could write because when I was in high school, I was quite prolific at writing essays and you know stuff like that. And I yeah. rather enjoyed it back then. But the concept, I said, there's no way I could write a book. Like this, the concept of, of that much wordage, yeah. of how to piece it all together and figure out what goes where and I just I, I I couldn't fathom that so I said to her no, no no I could I could never do that and she said well okay you could if you wanted to <laughs> but she said you just start you just write a scene and then you write another scene and then you write a chapter and then you write another chapter it's just you just do it and it's like mm, okay all right whatever woman so that was the end of that. And uh, I went to bed and in the middle of the damn night, I woke up and I had this scene, the scene just was playing in my head, like the opening scene yeah. for the story. And I could not get it out of my head. So I grabbed my phone and I opened the little notepad thing and I wrote, I wrote it down. On a phone? Yeah. With, with, your, with like two fingers? Yeah, you know, lying in bed with two, <laughs> two, thumbs. So uh, I the two thumbs going, and I wrote. You know, it wasn't a lot. It was uh, it was maybe five, six hundred words or something. I don't know. Yeah, thousand words. It was basically just like a short chapter, like an opening scene, and uh, just got out of my head. And it's like, okay, good. Now I can get go to sleep. And the next morning, I picked it up and read it, and I was like, huh, it's not bad. So then I asked her if she wanted to read it. And I was like, oh, well, the first thing I said when I woke up was, damn you, woman. <laughs> and she was taken aback and just like, well, what, what did I do? And I said, you, with your, like, you planted that seed last night and I couldn't sleep. And I had the story going around and around. So I wrote it. I wrote the scene. Do you want to hear it? She said, of course. And I read it to her and she loved it. And that was uh, that was the beginning, I guess. Um, so I started writing that, and then because she was also a writer, we she started a little um, a small writing writers group locally here. Mm-hmm. Put together a writers group, and they had an anthology contest. So I did a short story for that, and then ended up publishing that as a novella. And then another, they did another one um, a year later on, I think the next year. And I decided to write a story about a guy that clones himself. Okay. Because it was something that I had been thinking about. Right. That I'd thought about for years. Wasn't well, the actual action of doing it or the idea of talking about it? No, doing it. <laughs> when I was running my company, and you know, yeah. There was never enough hours in the day. I would always get to the end of the day and, and I'd look up and it would be five or six o'clock and be like, oh my God, I haven't, I've still got all yeah. these things to do. It seemed like I could never get everything done in a day that I needed to get done. Mm-hmm. And I'd said, I'd said many times, like, you know what? And I couldn't get my employees to do the work to the level that I would do it. Yeah. And that would really annoy me. So I said many times that I, I wish I'd had a clone. Hmm. I said that I need a clone. And then it'd be awesome. Get everything mm-hmm. done. And then I realized um, to my chagrin that I had the uh, the realization that if I had a clone, the problem with the clone is that he would be me. So he would have the same ambitions that I do. Uh-huh. He would have the same goals and ambitions and he would have the same feelings for my wife <laughs> but per the law of physics would that cancel each other out would you would you literally disappear 
No, but he start he'd be wanting to bang my wife. Okay. Well, shag my wife, baby. And she'd never know. I mean, but not just that. Like, can you imagine if you had an actual clone, you would you would end up butting heads because you would both want the same things and you can't both have the same thing. Yeah. You were, you were both ambitious. It'd be someone to race against, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, but again, I think it would be a problem. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. the competitiveness would be, it would be the ultimate competitiveness that would actually end up being destructive. Right, yeah. Probably end up wanting to kill him and get yeah. rid of him. So or, that's or him first. Yeah. yeah. So I ended up writing this. That was the, the second um, novella that I wrote. <clears throat> I wrote it originally. It was supposed to be a just a short story for this anthology that the Writers Club was doing. Yeah. And it ended up being a lot bigger. It was ended up with like twenty five thousand words, which was way too long for a, an anthology for a short story. Yeah. <clears throat> so it, I published it as a novella. Okay. And has this clone story got on, is it going on to be more than a book? Um, yes. Um, I can't really talk about okay. it um, in detail. Um, <clears throat> there are things in the works. There have been contracts signed, let's say. Okay. But contracts that will have confidentiality things on them, probably. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, Suffice to say that it, you will uh, may be able to see it on a big screen at yes. some point <laughs> in the coming years. Okay, or, brilliant. So, yeah. so this, this is going to be like a, a modern day version of the craze. The craze? Yeah, as in the Cray twins. I don't know whether you, you've heard of the London legends. They were twins that terrorized London and it became they're quite popular in film sort of oh, scenarios. Oh, yeah. Hey? The one that Tom Hardy played. Yes. Yeah. Well, he's he's the man that I want for my. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> he's he's actually who I want to play. Oh right. Okay. Wow. Uh, because of that, because of that movie that he did. Ah. I mean, I love I love him as an actor, but specifically in that role, I was like, yeah. he he just nailed it. I still don't believe he did Bane. Every time I look at that in Batman, I'm like, that's not Tom Hardy. That's not him. That's not him. But you Doesn't can't really even see his face. He's stuck, no. stuck behind the mask. Yeah. And, and he's huge. <laughs> it's like, how does oh, he get that big? Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, so, yeah, that went, that went well. Yeah. And, you've, uh, uh, so, when, in your, just to surmise, like, uh, uh, going through this podcast because obviously at some point I will have to let you go and uh, live your life uh, and I have oh, yeah. a daughter who's getting incredibly restless it's like uh, I think she should have gone to bed a while ago but never mind um, in in your fourth is there a particular year in life that suddenly stood out to you or is that more of a, a spiritual standing out instead of just a genetic age thing you know, like um, men have their midlife crisis or they have the things where they identify a change or in most cases it's probably just being aware of your mortality but um how did you go through yeah that? i mean i every year scares the shit out of me <laughs> yeah I, I, between the two of us i hate i hate it i hate it I, it terrifies me but and my wife she doesn't understand why she's like you get better every year and i'm like i know i do it's not i'm not worried about that it's just something about approaching yeah approaching it your demise like getting closer and closer it can freak you out but I, i'm kidding it doesn't really freak me out um but i don't i don't think there's any like when i turned 30 i thought it was such a i was terrified yeah. such a big step yeah and i couldn't believe that i had like you know turned 30 i thought it was old i've seen friends then, at a 30th birthday party and they were white they were just like it was terrifying for them yeah well now my kids are turning 30 yeah <laughs> and i'm like, man i would love to be there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but i don't think i would because you 
you know, you, if you live life well and deliberately, I think, I think it just gets better and better. And like every, every moment, every experience, you're, you know, you're just collecting these gems along the way. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to, I don't think you can look back and go, oh, well, I would be like, would I want to be 30 again? Yes. If I had all the knowledge that I had, yeah. but I wouldn't have it. So, <laughs> you know, great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, no, so I don't, I don't, there wasn't any specific, I don't, for me, there wasn't any specific age that really, that made a difference. Okay. I, I think uh, a, a lot of our cases, well, I speak from, from my end of the woods, um, it's a social thing as opposed to uh, an actual calendar thing. Um, I've, I'm only aware of it because people keep reminding me of it. Or there's that, there's so many things around the environment that remind me of it. It's not a case of like, I'm continually focusing on it. It's, it's battered into me. I think that's yeah. the case for many people. I'll tell you what's, what really is the worst is that I've been filling out these, you know, because of the Corona thing. Hmm. A lot of times when we go places, you have to fill out a little survey before you go in. Right. Like if you've been around anyone that's sick, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And uh, every time I have to fill it out, one of the things on there is age. Because it's relevant to yeah. the virus, right? And that pisses me off every time. Every time I have to put 50 on there. Yeah. And I don't know why. Because 49 <laughs> bad yeah. enough but like now it's like wow 50 are you fucking kidding me <laughs> how did that happen uh, yeah i i don't even understand how it happens i think i do get freaked out a little bit by the gray yeah um, that can be um, scary like if you just like you have a shower and it's like hang on that bit of chest hair wasn't that color yesterday or yeah this is suddenly a shock they're like oh my god but yeah. according to women, apparently it's sexy as hell. Okay. I keep, I keep telling my wife, like I keep asking her, I keep uh, joking about it, you know, mentioning it in an offhand way, hoping for a, for tacit consent yeah, yeah. from her. You know, I'll be like, oh, you know, honey, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about maybe dying my dying my goatee, you know, just a little, just like you know, like dusty blonde. Or something, yeah. you know, a little bit of color, and she's like, "No, <laughs> the gray is sexy." <laughs> Excellent. All right then, yeah, take that to the bank. Apparently, it's a thing. I have a friend who, uh, who, unbeknownst to me, had been dyeing his hair for years. You know, he's in his yeah, this you know, middle aged. I don't know exactly, late forties, early fifties, somewhere in there. Yeah. But apparently he's been dyeing his hair for as long as I've known him. So I, he's always had like this, you know, dirty blondish, you know, light yeah. brown. Um, almost, you know, whatever, just like a light dusty brown hair. And then uh, last time I saw him, I hadn't seen him for a few months. And we ran into them at a get together before the corona started. And his hair was gray, which I didn't really notice. <laughs> <laughs> man you look old but i don't know why yeah. uh, but no i didn't really notice but they, they he told me that he went to um to get it dyed as he usually did and the hairdresser um had advised him not to and she said look you know you should let it grow out gray it's it's sexy and, he didn't her. and so he went home and had a conversation with his wife and she said yeah i would much rather you do that <laughs> he was gobsmacked. He was like, "Yeah." yeah. Wow. So he did threw it out, and I mean, apparently it's a thing. Apparently the apparently oh. the chicks dig it. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, there <laughs> we go, folks. We're gonna uh, we'll bank that one. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for this evening. Uh, it's been most appreciated for you giving your time tonight. And uh, yeah, I hope it. I hope there was. Hope it was helpful. I hope there was something worthwhile in there that. I feel like I didn't quite deliver in terms of humorous entertainment. <laughs> no, it's fine. I have a, a fine line between uh, having to be humorous and also being useful. 
so uh, mm. yeah no I, I think we have to balance that out so it's very much appreciated for tonight sir and uh, thank you yeah. for joining us and um, one day we've got to meet up and maybe uh, burn some fuel and uh, smoke some rubber that would be great yeah i think so well thanks for having me oh well, well thank you and uh yeah and regards to the good lady the uh the uh driving force there <laughs> behind everything yes. yes all right then well thank you good night yeah.